Welcome to the Today is a Good Day podcast, a podcast to bring you a new point of support as you navigate your NICU journey. Today is a Good Day is here to be a part of your conversations, whether your baby was born prematurely, has special needs, or if your family is grieving a loss. The voices you will hear on the Today is a Good Day podcast are personal stories from people who have been there. Please don't forget to hit subscribe and leave us a review on your favorite podcast listening app. Navigating the NICU journey before COVID-19 was already incredibly stressful and overwhelming. Adding the COVID-19 pandemic to the equation takes a family's anxiety and stress to a completely new level. On this episode, we will learn how the NICU team at Abington Hospital has supported families during the pandemic using virtual practices and what they've learned from this experience. Dr. Katie Ziegler, Medical Director for Abington's NICU, is here with us to share best practices for mom and baby as it relates to COVID-19 and to dealing with public health concerns. Welcome, Dr. Ziegler. Very happy to have you here. So tell us a little bit about yourself and why you chose to focus in this area. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's always a pleasure to talk to you, Martha. Um, Sure. So I am locally grown. I was born at Abington Hospital. I won't tell you how many years ago. Um, And my uh, education journey took me up to Penn State University for my undergrad. And then I completed my medical school training at the Philadelphia College of Osteopathic Medicine. I did my residency at Thomas Jefferson University and AI DuPont Hospital for Children. And then I completed my neonatal fellowship um, after that residency training. And so for a total of six years after medical school. And luckily for me, I was able to secure a job at the place that I was born. And um, I've been here since 2006. 13. Very happy to be here. And then I became the medical director in 2019. And nobody told me that I would be dealing with a global pandemic just a year later. What made you choose the NICU? What stood out with the babies and the families that you got to work with? I think the reason I chose the NICU um, was because there's so many success stories. Um, we definitely have heartache and we definitely have not great things happen in the NICU, but the majority of my job is happy. I get to be there at the beginning of a person's life, which is pretty amazing. I've celebrated many, many birthdays and I don't think a lot of people get to do that. Um, and then additionally, it's, fun to take care of a baby and it's fun to help guide their families through this process. And, you know, I think every day I learn something new from a baby and every day I learn something new from a new family that I'm taking care of. So it really is a nice mix. Um, and it's fun to meet new people all the time and it's fun to share in their journey. And I just have to thank you personally for our family, the relationships that we built with the neonatologists who took care of Claire and Mary. I don't know what we would have done without them in our lives. And we oftentimes talk about the two doctors who saved Claire and the and Mary when they were born and they will be forever with us. So you are with many families for celebrating those birthdays for sure. 
Now, I did want to talk to you a little bit about virtual practices, as you discussed, being a part of a global pandemic and figuring out how you care for babies and families during this really difficult chapter. Abington has been thinking outside the box, looking at virtual practices and way to support families in unique ways. Recently, the hospital was featured in an article in the New England Journal of Medicine Catalyst, which is their innovation division, highlighting how your practice has changed in the NICU since COVID. Can you talk to us a little bit about that? I know that you were a part of that article. I was a part of that article. Um, So how it happened was really just a lot of conversations, um, mostly between myself and Dr. Eddie Chang, who is the chief of neonatology at Abington Hospital, and our nurse manager, Michelle Walker. Our NICU, um, for those of you who don't know, it's referred to as an open day NICU, um, meaning we don't have individual rooms for each baby. There are anywhere from two to four babies in a pod. Um, They are at least six feet apart, those babies, but the challenge for us was that we could not safely be six feet apart while we were rounding on the babies. And the other challenge of that was um, that we couldn't be six feet away from the parents, and we really thought it was important to have the parents keep visiting and being with their babies. So we wanted to come up with a strategy that we could safely still round on the babies, meaning um, have our nutritionists, have our developmentalists, have our pharmacists, have our neonatologists, have our neonatal nurse practitioner. Um, Occasionally we'll have students. And we realized pretty early on that we were going to have to do something out of the NICU. Um, And we were familiar with platforms such as Zoom, such as WebEx we decided that we were going to take our conversations about the babies to Zoom. It worked out really, really well. Um, We received really good feedback from parents and feedback from the staff. And we realized pretty quickly that what we were doing, other people needed to know about so that they could adapt their practice in their NICUs so that they could safely still take care of the babies, but still have every team member present for the rounds because each each individual team member has such an important role in the course of a premature baby's journey. Um, you know, we couldn't do our jobs without the help from our nutritionist or our developmentalist or our pharmacist. So um, we couldn't cut them out of rounds in the care team. So it worked really well. And um, we were really excited that you know, we thought it was a stretch putting it out there to New England Journal of Medicine, but they were really excited about it. And um, the catalyst is, um, it's the subset of the New England Journal that looks at innovation in um, how you perform patient care. So it was a perfect, perfect fit. That's great. And if you're interested in reading that article, we have shared that article on the todayisagoodday.org website in the blog. So you can check it out there. It's really informative and interesting to read. And I think during this time with having to think outside of the box of how you support families, how has this innovation impacted the families you're working with? When you say you've heard good responses from them, why is that? Um, I think one of the reasons that it's been very impactful is that it lets the families see the people who are taking care of their babies and to see our whole faces. Um, Practicing wearing masks 
is really difficult. It's very difficult to connect with a family member. It's really difficult to empathize with a family member because so much of what we do is nonverbal communication mm-hmm. and um, families would really miss out on that if they couldn't see us and talk to us. So I think that that's one of the areas that we definitely got really nice feedback from the parents. Um, certainly we still go down into the NICU and talk to parents one-on-one and face-to-face, but this way they could answer, ask questions to the whole team um, in a safe way. So impressive that you're doing that. And to think that you can connect with so many people for those rounds and talking with the families. I mean, thinking back to our own personal journey, we had individual conversations with the medical team about how Claire, how Mary were doing at the time. And to be able to expand that to the nutritionist, to therapy, a therapist who might be talking with you about exercises to do with your baby to the nurse manager and the doctors. I mean, it's really incredible to be able to pull all of those team members together at one time, even though it's virtually, you can see their faces and you can talk with them, which is great. What are some of the other measures in the hospital? I know in working with our hospital partners, many restrictions have been put in place just with visitation during COVID what are other what are some of the other measures that have been implemented to help keep the babies and the family safe? So visitation, um, we did have to make some alterations to the visitation in our NICU. Um, and we're it's important for us because we have to keep all of our babies safe. But something that family members might not think about is that we also have to keep all of our staff safe. Mm-hmm. Um, and for those of us that take care of the babies, there's honestly not that many people who can do the same job as a NICU nurse can do. So we can't borrow from another floor and have a nurse just come take care of a baby that weighs one or two pounds. It's a very, very special skill set. So we knew early on that we had to protect that skill set. So the, one of the things we did early on about the same time as our virtual rounding was that we did have to restrict our visitation so that it's just um, the parents that can visit the baby. Mm-hmm. We recognize the importance of parents being there to take care of their babies and be with their babies. Um, we also recognize that this, because oh, we, we were feeling it too, the anxiety that happens at the beginning of this pandemic because nobody knew what was happening and the importance of keeping that family connection together and letting these new parents bond with their babies. We knew it couldn't be taken away. So we limited our visitors just to the parents um, or the mom and whoever she designated her support person. Initially, we only had our visitation during the daytime hours. And the rationale for that was that that would protect our nighttime nurses. And then, heaven forbid, we had an outbreak of the daytime nurses. We had mm-hmm. an army of nurses that could come and start taking care of the babies during the day. Um, we lifted that recently when the numbers got better. So now we're back open to our um normal policy like parents can visit all the time but we're still not open to anybody except parents and that's for the whole hospital that's for well babies as well and interestingly i was just reading an article that there might be um an unintended improvement in breastfeeding um because moms are less interrupted by visitors and they have more time with their babies so that Mm -hmm. was a really interesting article i just read so maybe a positive thing from that. But um, as you know, Martha, that was not an easy decision for us to make 
I, um, right. for those of you who don't know, I did reach out to Martha for counsel on those decisions because we, most of us that are working in the NICU have never walked in the shoes of a parent. So we did consult our parents as well. It is. It's a, it's a hard decision that you all had to make with that. We talked a little bit about innovation and virtual rounds. Can you talk to us about virtual rounds? What are they and what have you been using to connect with parents? Yeah, so that's a great question. So when we say rounds, we refer to the time that um, the whole medical team meets about a particular baby and we go over all of the care plans and the what events the baby had the night before and we kind of try to come up with our plan for the day. And um, previously that was done in person at each baby's bedside, but we moved them to what we now call virtual. And virtual... Um, essentially means the same thing how you and I are speaking right now. So via um, a social or not a social platform, but a virtual platform so that we can all meet at the same time together. It definitely was a challenge in the beginning because um, luckily for us, most of our staff did have um, either a computer with a camera and a microphone or some sort of device. But honestly, a lot of people were having to use their cell phones to connect and that was not the best way. So fortunately, um, through a grant that was graciously given to us via today is a good day, we were able to get iPads that we were that we now utilize every day for our virtual rounds. So our nurses have one, our nurse practitioner has one, and our physician has one. And then we have an extra one that we're very fortunate to have because we're also doing all of our outpatient follow-up appointments virtually. So we're using a fourth iPad in that setting. Um, So that's been really, really helpful. And we were very fortunate to get those iPads within, I don't know, five days of asking for them. They were up and running in the NICU. Navigating the NICU during this time, I, I truly, I think back to when we went through our NICU journey almost 10 years ago and adding on the COVID-19 component to it, just, I can only imagine what families are going through and we're, we're certainly thinking about them and looking for more ways to support them the best that we can. When you see families leaving the NICU now and graduating, what is the biggest challenge that you are seeing them experience? I mean, what are they, what are they most scared of or what what do you see them talking to you about the most as they're getting ready to leave? At this point, I think people are a little bit more comfortable with what's going on. And people understand what the virus is and they understand, luckily in our region, how to stay safe. Um, a big question and a big concern that we're getting is, who do I let visit my baby? Mm-hmm. And, and it's a hard answer um, because... The 100% safest answer is no one, Um, but we also know that that's not a reality. So um, a lot of people are just saying, like, when can people visit? How can people visit? We're telling parents that for us in neonatology, we have been encouraging social distancing before we knew it was a thing. Um, Mm -hmm. We've always encouraged parents when they're going home, wash your hands frequently, make sure you're cleaning high-touch surface areas frequently. And we've always encouraged parents to limit their visitors because babies are so vulnerable when they go home, especially premature babies who don't have good immune systems. The way that we're trying to navigate that question about who can visit my baby is kind of in line with like the whole quarantine pod 
idea. Um, so basically you just need to have a core set of people who you are a hundred percent confident that they are practicing good social distancing people that, you know, they're not going to the stores all the time. If they're going out, they're wearing a mask, they're washing hands. They're not going to big gatherings. Um, but really trying to limit it to like, grandparents and then the closest family and friends that you have because truly you know it's not just for the baby's safety but if a parent gets mm-hmm. sick how are they going to take care of their baby so it's really just making sure people like they understand like whoever's visiting has to be a really trusted individual um and then we kind of leave it up to the family if they want that person to wear a mask when they come um so that's what we've been telling them it is such a hard road to travel with who you let into your home. I even before COVID, I mean, I remember when we went home in the middle of RSV season with the respiratory virus that can impact all children, all babies, but specifically preemies can impact them in a in a really hard way. We took Claire home in the middle of February and we really didn't take her out until Memorial Day. And that included saying no, we can't do Easter together. We can't do holidays together. If someone's sick and trying to to get through that. I know there are some families who have family members who say, well, your child needs to get germs because they think of, you know, germs are good and help to build resiliency against illness. But that's not the case with premature babies. And how do you help those families have the right words to share with other family members who are saying, oh, you're being too strict or, oh, you should let us come in. That's a tough question. <laughs> um, but, you know, there's no reason for a premature or baby um, or any or full term baby in that first four to six weeks after they come home to be exposed to any type of germs. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, I think you should tell people, you know, we can cross that bridge in a couple of years when they're older. Mm-hmm. They can get they'll be so much stronger then. there's no advantage to getting the germs now. I usually honestly tell the parents they use my name and say, Dr. Ziegler said, no, we are a hundred percent. Okay. With that. Anybody listening, you can use any doctor's name. They will stand behind that. I think we may have done that a few times. <laughs> yeah, you should. You totally should. But the other thing I want to add is, you know, it is okay to go take a walk with your baby when you get home. Um, it is okay to be outside and make sure that, Um, parents are getting the breaks that they need. So don't be afraid to go for a walk with your baby and do things outside that make you guys happy. One of the things that I always remember too and talk with families about, in fact, I was just talking the other day to a NICU mom about this. When you have family members who might be giving you a hard time or who really want to come over and, and you're having trouble talking with them about how you feel and how your rules will be in your house. I mean, I remember we had... Purell everywhere. You came in, you washed your hands, then you Purell. Then if you touch something, you Purell. And, you know, that process went back and forth. But the other thing that I always shared with family members and friends and always kept in the back of my mind was if Claire gets sick, no one else is going to be with Paul and me sitting next to her bedside in the ER in the middle of the night. That at the end of the day, it will be us taking her back to the hospital or back to the doctor or whatever needs to be done to make sure that she stays strong and healthy. And that, I think, is always a good reminder for families who are having a difficult time telling other family members no or friends no, we're just not quite ready yet. Because at the end of the day, it's them. They're, they're the ones who are going to have to go back to the hospital. 
or get the extra care. And I think that's a, a good thing to think about. Yeah. And then the only other thing to think about is sometimes for some parents, this is the first time they've had to advocate for anybody other than themselves. Mm -hmm. So this is the time to really just be your baby's advocate um, and do what feels right for you. Because like exactly what you're saying, in the end, it matters what the parents think. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's good advice. So when we talk about families delivering right now during COVID, when you see the mass and you hear about friends and family members who are delivering. Talk to us about that. What's that looking like these days? Looking strange. Um, these poor moms, I, I do feel for them. So every mom, when they come in, they do get tested for COVID-19. Um, so basically we know it's, it's, a, it's a strategy to keep our staff safe. Um, and it's a strategy to keep our moms and our babies safe. And it's a strategy to preserve PPE. Um, cause we need to know who's positive and who's not so we can preserve PPE as needed. Um, the moms are allowed to have one support person come and stay with them the whole time. We never did not have let that happen. Um, but, uh, every time we're in the room, um, their mom and uh, support person or partner or father has to wear a mask. Um, and that includes during delivery Mm -hmm. so when moms now deliver they are wearing a mask to deliver um basically you know obviously for those of you who have given um birth naturally you know you're screaming and breathing really heavy so um even with a negative test we still do have you wear that mask because the testing is not 100 percent foolproof and you do sometimes have false negative tests so it's the best screening test we have right now. Mm-hmm. So that's how it's going. Um, and then all parents are asked to answer a questionnaire on admission um, to deliver. And it's just, you know, have you been sick? Have you had a fever? Have you been exposed to anybody with COVID? And I know in the NICU, we also have that questionnaire. And most recently we had to add the travel questions mm-hmm. as well. Because mm-hmm. there are certain states that, you're not allowed to come in if you've been visiting there. And what should parents do if mom is homesick with COVID and what's their best way or dad or a family member who might be living at the home, what's the best way to prevent the baby from getting sick? So I think that's a really important question and we are doing our best to educate every family about that question before they go home because we recognize that they, might, they don't have COVID-19 now, but they might get it in the next few months. So the recommendations, it's, um, it's a spectrum of recommendations. So it's basically the family can decide what's best for them. So one option would be if mom and dad get sick, that you find somebody who's not sick and take the baby out of the house um, until you're not having symptoms and there's uh, a whole... Um, algorithm for how you come off of precautions. So that's the most strict option is just taking the baby out of the house and having a healthy caregiver, a healthy person take care of that baby. It's the strictest, but it's of all the choices, it's obviously the most safe because the baby is no longer exposed. Now, that being said, um, we know that people with COVID-19 are likely shedding the virus before they have any symptoms. 
So a lot of people will just say, well, you know, the horse is out of the barn. The baby's already been exposed. What do I do now? I don't mm-hmm. want my baby to get there. And the answer to that is wear a mask, um, wash your hands, and you wear a mask whenever you're holding the baby. And you only hold the baby for feeding and changing diapers. And then otherwise, you make sure that the baby is at least six feet away from you. Mm, that's, um, that's a difficult That's path. really difficult. So, and then of course, with that, it's lots and lots of hand washing, um, you know, cleaning high touch surfaces. And, you know, I don't know how people are navigating this if they're actually really ill, because it's hard to take care of a newborn baby. And um, COVID 19 can make you really sick from the people I know that have had it. You know, it is not a walk in the park. They're sick for a long time. Mm -hmm. So, um, that's what we're recommending now. So, healthy caregiver if able and then if not then lots of hand hygiene and then you wear a mask whenever you're feeding the baby and whenever you are changing their diaper it is really important to mention that you do not put a mask on a baby mm-hmm. um babies should not wear masks until they're two years old because it's a risk of suffocation and you're not going to get COVID-19 we do not think you're going to get COVID-19 from a baby because they just don't have the lung capacity to really be passing it around Okay. For parents going home right now with their full-term, preterm babies when they leave the hospital, what's the biggest piece of advice you have for them right now, especially in this environment with COVID-19? My biggest piece of advice right now is to wash your hands, wear a mask when you're in public, and limit your visitors to the baby. Okay. Dr. Ziegler, I do have to ask you, you've been a neonatologist for a long time now. You've met a lot of families. Tell us a story that stood out for you of a NICU graduate who's really made a difference or a family who's made an impact on you over your years as a neonatologist. There are so many stories. Um, It's really hard to narrow one down. But I think the one that stays with me the most, and unfortunately it it wasn't a happy ending, um, but it was a baby that unfortunately passed away too soon. A premature baby that didn't make it. And I still um, can remember the dad after it happened, like calling me to talk to me about it. And he really thought that it was his fault because he had cleaned the bathroom um, before he came to visit her and was convinced that he gave her an infection. And I really just hope that I got through to him that this was, this was not the case. You had nothing to do with this. Um, but this family really sticks with me because even through even through their loss, um, they stayed in touch with me. Um, and I actually, in my office, have a picture hanging that was supposed to be in her nursery. Mm. Um, and it just, it so I see it every day. And I remember her and her family. And I know that they didn't have a good outcome, but I hope that, I was able to help them get through a really difficult time. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that with us. And it does show the impact that you make every single day on families that you don't even realize. And I can tell you as a NICU parent myself that you all do wonderful work and help so many each and every day. Dr. Ziegler, have to thank you again. Thanks for being with us. Thanks for talking with us about COVID-19. And we appreciate you sharing your background and all that Abington Hospital is doing to help families during this challenging time.
Well, thank you for having me. It's always a pleasure. Um, and thank you for everything that Today is a Good Day has done for not only the families, but the staff. And we couldn't do what we do without you guys. So thank you. Thank you.